Kuanvioma Law PLLC is 100% native owned and operated, founded by Viren Kuanvioma. Their practice areas include corporate law, business transactions, finance, economic development, gaming, casino development, online gaming, real estate, environmental permitting and approvals, telecommunications, government affairs, employment and labor relations, historic preservation and cultural resources, and energy. Kuanvioma Law is committed to making positive and lasting change in our communities as they support nonprofit volunteering. Community activism and employing Indian preference in hiring and vendor relations. Your family's health is important. Access and Kids Care can help you care for the people you care about. See a doctor on or off reservation at IHS Tribal and Urban Indian Clinics or anywhere else. Health coverage through Access and Kids Care is offered at no cost to tribal members, their children, and their grandchildren. To make an appointment with someone who can help you apply for health coverage, visit coveraz.org or call 211. If you already have Access or Kids Care, don't forget to renew. Cover AZ can help with that as well. That's C O V E R A Z dot org or call 211. The Vehongdem Creations is an indigenous woman owned small business specializing in handmade fine arts, primarily custom jewelry and attire. The artist behind The Vehongdem Creations is AJ Nakwaitiwa, and the work she makes explores the relationships between modern culture with a respect for Hopi traditions and values. The pieces she creates results from her hope to make indigenous art visible. Nakwaitiwa aims to promote and sustain the continued practice of those arts for future generations. You can find available work online at www.thevehongdemcreations.com, and you can also follow at thevehongdem underscore on Instagram and Twitter or thevehongdem creations Facebook to stay up to date. are now listening to the Carl and J-Man Save the World podcast. I am your host, the five-star, five-diamond chef, J-Man. And with me is the credit card always declining, Carl. Yeah, my credit card declined. It basically laughs at me now. <laughs> Much like the culture, your credit card <laughs> declined as well. Yeah, uh, that uh, last week's episode was pretty good. That was a good episode. That was a pretty I, good I, I episode. Liked I enjoyed it. I liked it. it. it was I enjoyed a, your we, voice for, for once. We, we got to get on our soapboxes and we got to talk shit about how <laughs> we're all trying to be Pahana now. And, yep. But yet, you know, talk shit on social media. You know, um, about this hashtag Hopi life. You know, one thing, because I was at the store uh, this past weekend mm-hmm. and it, I made it a point to where. Like I, I want to maybe just kind of say Hopi words along the way, you know, just, uh, just to the workers itself. To, oh, I you thought know, just, you meant like when, you know, you talk to yourself. <laughs> talk Hopi to myself. Talk, talk, talking to yourself. All right. Good job. No, no. Um, you know, cause we're, I, when we, when I was thinking about it, we were talking about this, we're just doing like, um, you wanted to bring your Hopi glitch back. Yeah. That, that part of it, I think. When you go to the store, you talk behind that, right? You, mm-hmm. you go, you say, mm-hmm. "Hey, thank you. Do you know where you know where this is or yeah. that is? And can I get like money order <laughs> and stuff? You know those types of things." And we don't, we we're we're a proud people. We're very very proud mm-hmm. people. So I made it a point to just maybe 
make it like you know just just small remarks like you know like uh-huh. you know uh-huh. like you know mm-hmm. you know all of these different things. <laughs> and and that to me just kind of makes it more like hopi-ish like mm-hmm. you're you're at a real hopi store mm-hmm. rather than like a a, a chain of bashes and and I I kind of made it a point because none of the workers out there kind of know how to speak Hopi. You know, you, you say "kwa" and they're like, "Oh, okay." Well, the older the older ones do that. I, I appreciate that. You know, you speak to the older workers. Yeah, and, you know, haki. Yeah, haki kwa kwa. Then then they'll say, you know, "oi" or something. Yeah, you know, the, the proper responses. But then, like the younger ones, then when you say that to them, "kwa kwa," then you're welcome. <laughs> It, you know that's that's kind of the thing that I, I want to you know just doing for myself basically, and I, I believe that everybody out there um, should be doing that too. If you know how to speak Hopi, like you know Asquali or Kwa, at least say that to be proud that you know actually know how to use those words. So like you know like like if you were to incorporate that practice on a daily basis, like what would your day consist of? Like like you wake up, you know, you yawn, yeah. And- Crawl out of bed and then Pornhub uh, for about eight hours. Only fans dot com. <laughs> That's a, those are the daily basis that I think we could incorporate. <laughs> so kabaking <laughs> ni. But um, I don't know. That, that was it, it. I I've I've had that thought too before yeah. though. But like yeah. you know, to uh, well, I, I guess being serious, being serious. Like I've always thought that you know I could take time out of my normal routine to apply yeah. this to my family, like to my kids, especially yeah, yeah. to say the things that, you know, were said to me when I was growing up. And then, so, you know, walking into their bedroom and then, you know, turning the lights on or, you know, something like that, or, yeah. you know, get ready for school or say those things. But, you know, it's, it's something that I have yet to incorporate consistently and so that's something that we'd encourage everybody out there to do, I suppose. Yeah. I mean, like that's, that's the thing that we, if you are a Hopi parent or if you're a Hopi person that knows how to at least speak Hopi, use that on a daily basis. And I mm-hmm. encourage everybody to mm-hmm. do that, even though it's just something that we don't see as an everyday basis, thinking that we we only use that during ceremonies Mm-hmm. You know, during mm-hmm. s- special times during the month, but then no, it should be used on a daily basis because mm-hmm. it it because that's who we are. It solidifies the way that we we think, and it solidifies our language as well too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I definitely agree with that. And the other thing that I also agree with Carl is that we are back with episode ten. Yeah. Yeah. This is the final episode of the this season. Yeah. And so we'd like to thank everybody out there for listening to season 10. This is season 10, right? Season 10. Holy shit. Season because, 10. you know, in, in preparation for today's episode, I did listen to a previous episode that has um, heavy uh, information, or I guess at least it pertains to this episode. And that episode was recorded over two years ago. Oh, really? And so we're already in season 10. I think that... 
we're coming up on our birthday, I think. Or did we pass our birthday? Uh, May something, I believe. Okay, so we're yeah. coming up. We're coming on up our on our birthday. It. Yeah. And I think it'll be what three years? Yeah, three years. Three existence. years. We'll be doing this thing here, celebrating the Carl and J Man Say the World podcast existing for three years. And so we'd like to give a shout out to all of our listeners, to all of our supporters, all of our relatives dealing with. Uh, the things that we have to say and, you know, taking <laughs> yeah, it like a true. champ, beating up on all y'all, you know, by bashing, particularly mostly our sisters. Yeah. And so shout out to you guys. Shout out to our season 10 sponsors. And so I'd like to give a big shout out to our title sponsor this season to our boy, Varen Kawanvioma and Kawanvioma Law PLLC. Like to also give a shout out to Children's Action Alliance, who is also a season 10 sponsor. Like to give a huge shout out to our marketing intern, AJ, and then her organization, the Vehongnim Creations. Also like to give a shout out to Magic Mind, who generously sponsored two episodes this season. Like to give a shout out to Peace Academy Studio and KNEF for being our home sponsor, for bringing us in, putting a roof over our heads. And then um, like to shout out all of our 30 pack circle of givers that have paid on a monthly basis. And so now you're all able to benefit from additional episodes. And so, you know, past today yeah there's a possibility that you know that that train could continue to ride and so possibly creating more content more content for the monthly uh subscribers and then uh, carl you said that you had a shout out as well. oh, yeah yeah i do have a shout out i was at the store like i said yesterday or this past week and uh there were a group of people out there and they said that hey you know we like your podcast we we support your podcast and i'm like i'm glad that you guys like uh my voice only you know, <laughs> and uh, they're they're called Alpha Squad League. So Alpha Squad League is one of the things uh, that they support, and what they do is that um, they're they're like a little leagues team thing guys. I don't know who <laughs> I don't know really know who the the lead guy is, but they if you go to on Facebook Alpha Squad League is is a thing. They gave me uh, stickers and. Like that. Remember that um, they've strong. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There's something like that. Those bands. Yeah. There. I got one of these on Mars <laughs> as we speak. <laughs> and you know, I, it's a great, it's a great opportunity for young kids uh, during the summer time to sign up and to play uh football or flag football. Oh, is that, that that's, that's the, what their the team is. Yeah. That's what they're trying to recruit for. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. So, so shout out, shout out to them. So Alpha Squad, thank you for uh, taking all of our kids off of our hands to uh, play in a, in a little league. Well, now that we got all the <laughs> shout outs out of the way, <laughs> congratulations and thank you to all of our sponsors, all of our supporters. And, and so we do have a topic of conversation for this week's episode. And I did actually want to bring this up, kind of some some uh, update, some updates from here out on Hopi land, some uh, news for those of you that are kind of wonder what life is like here on the reservation. But just recently, last week, the Hopi Tribal Council finally uh, up, uplifted the face mask mandate. And so really? we're, we're probably like one of the last groups of people out there that are still afraid of COVID, still walking around with the face mask. But that mask mandate has been uplifted. And so now, theoretically, that you could cruise anywhere on the reservation and not have to have your face mask on. 
Nice. And so I guess we'll test that theory out when we go to the K-Town store today and see if they let us in. Well, I was just at the K-Town store. They said we used to have to wear a mask. Oh, really? I think it's just a per-store policy. Oh, really? Really? Yeah, yeah it's, it's funny because I was thinking about that. And I, I guess now now it's in the hands of the business owners on the decisions. Yeah. If they whether, want to whether they want on. to do that yeah. or not. Because before they were being made to do it, they had to do they it had as a to result yeah. of the law of the Hopi tribe. But now, you know, it's up to them if they want to do away with keep, it or keep not. Keep it or not. Yeah. And so I, I don't know. I don't know the reason why they would want to continue to do it. Because, uh, I don't know, you know, maybe people get pimples around their lips and you know, they don't want <laughs> other people to see it. And then the mask is a good excuse to, to hide, to hide it. Things, so. I don't know. I, I kind of like the mask thing. Do you really? Yeah, I kind of like it. I kind of like it going into the store because I don't have to, like, smile at people. <laughs> <laughs> or you don't have to talk to people. I don't have to talk to people. People don't recognize yeah, you. Yeah, exactly. I, I like that, so... <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so that, that was the update for Out Home. But today's episode, today's episode is a topic that we touched upon two years ago, as I mentioned. But basically, it's kind of this back to this topic on farming again. But then when I went back to that episode of farming, that it was done yeah. over two years ago and a lot has changed from back then to now. And so I guess really today's topic is kind of more of a contemporary conversation about this subject because then you know back then one thing that I didn't realize is that when we did that farming episode was that we were still within this huge drought yeah that, that yeah we you have heard us speak about numerous times throughout the podcast and so that was something that kind of had altered the dynamic of the farming practices at that time yeah but now things have things are different things have changed we're a little bit more optimistic we have a lot more hope that our crops will be able to continue and to thrive this summer and and then a lot of things too when recapping back on that old episode that that old episode we kind of talked more about like kind of i guess the place of farming within hopi culture and kind of some ideas of why that the cult the the farming is constructed in the way that it is at least as far as who's charged with doing the heavy duty farming where the farm fields are and why they're they're in those areas kind of this whole idea of how much farming has to play with the development of Hopi individuals, specifically the, the male individual, because yeah. then, you know, it's, it's yeah. us, we're the ones that are charged with doing it. But one thing that we didn't really talk about a whole lot, and I think that's where my hope is that we'll cover it in this episode, is that we didn't talk about it from a personal standpoint, kind of talking about it from our own eyes, from our own experiences, kind of sharing with how the emotions play out when it comes to farming. We didn't talk about this drought. We didn't talk about how the drought affected us. We didn't talk about kind of this outlook on the future. And so that's kind of something that where I would like for us to cover in this episode. And uh, another thing too, is that we may or may not have a special yeah, guest. Yeah, we may or may not. That we do have uh, an expert in the building. And so we did invite them to jump on however that they were in a meeting at the time. And so yeah. know, depending on when they're able to get out of this meeting, they may or may not join us. But we're hoping that they'll join us so that we'll get a third perspective on this whole 
farming conversation and how it relates today and how it relates to kind of our generation. Because then, you know, when I was thinking about that old episode, because I did make the comment in the old episode, the old Hopi farming episode, that I shared a lot of what my father shares with me as far as what it used to be like back yeah. in the day. Yeah. And, you know, that the old people, they really made like years ago that it was kind of like this garden of eden and that you know everything came up all the time that there was always an abundance of corn there was always abundance of beans of melon of mm -hmm. all of these things that we put into the ground that the crows behaved back then that they would only eat a little bit they wouldn't tear up your whole field like they seem to do nowadays and so you know it just seemed so much more fruitful it, back then it seemed, at least the way that yeah, they made it, it seemed, sound make it, it seemed, sound it seemed easier back then. It seemed like, you know, you don't have to do much back in the yeah. day and it already it's already you already have an abundance of corn and, and crop. And I think a big part of that too, and you know, this is a consistent narrative that I hear often when speaking to the older people, that it just seemed to rain a lot more yeah. back in those days. It it that's what, you know, Guao used to tell me, or well still tells me that. You know, that cause we he had like a specific planting time. He had a mm -hmm. he had the specific date that he always and planted. It never at. changed. And it never changed for close to fifty years. Hail, snow, yeah. rain or lava. Yeah, exactly. And zombies you know, are into the world. <laughs> and he, he always, Terminators are iRobots. Exactly. It, and he, you know, he always plants during those times. And now, now this year we had to plant a little bit later because of the cold weather. Weather, yeah, yeah. The cold weather wasn't, you know, subsiding, and it was still cold in it, April. Yeah, it was still snowing. It in was April. still snowing in April, and even to this day, you know, just last week, last last two weeks ago, mm -hmm. it was still cold. Yep, it was still cold, and you know, it. I I think that's how. A Hopi man's mentality thinks, you know, because when when he thinks that it's it was a good crop back 30 years ago in the 1960s, in 1960, you know, 1960s, 70s. And and he keeps to that date because every year he would plant and it would come out, it would plant, it would come out. And there was no change to that. And he would talk about that. It would rain all the time. It would rain like, you know. You wouldn't even you wouldn't even think it's gonna rain. It would be like a hot, sunny day, and within noontime, the clouds would roll in and have this nice rain, yep. and yep. you know all of those different things that affected like how Hopi, Hopi, uh, you know, farming was uh, was affected by that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then um, also too, I think that because the fact that they talk about the golden days yeah all the, the golden era yeah of of farming and then you know being raised in this in this lifestyle i guess yeah. being raised as yeah. Hopi, i guess in in modern times that you know a lot of us that we have these same desires to be providers in this way as a farmer whether that's to our mothers to our sisters or you know you get to the point where you get married then to your wife and to her relatives that it's our goal to continue this lifestyle. It's our goal to be productive in this way, because then, you know, at the end of the day, you know, it's like it's always a dick measuring contest because then, you know, when it gets to when it comes to the the, the harvest, when yeah. it gets to the harvest season. It's that, you know, we're always sharing our pictures on social media, yeah. you know, especially after you help you, you have your truck bed filled with corn or you have your whatever it is that you're putting your corn in that, you know, it's this, it's this level of pride 
that you know I I did so well this summer that look at look at my bounty yeah, yeah look at yeah. my bounty look how big my pussy is bigger compared to you know, <laughs> to everybody else's yeah. everybody else's and then you know it, it becomes that yeah and then you know when things like this drought happens right like yeah it completely it completely creates a barrier for you to be able to get to that point to where you're proud and having this big crop to where you're having this such a bounty that you can share it with not only you know whoever whoever the primary person that you're you're raising your corn for whether it's your mother your sisters your wife or or their relatives that to to the point where you can share and give it out to others because you have so much and then in turn i think that because our mentalities are so are so strengthened or at least our our um trying to think of the word but then you know this ability to be able to raise corn that it really helps us out with our confidence it helps us out with our self-esteem it, it solidifies who we are as a, as hopi people and then when your ability to be able to have this huge bounty is completely blocked then it fucks with your head because then you know you you feel like you can't provide you feel like that you know you're not living up to the standard i guess of a hopi man and then because you know in this day and age that at least as as in comparison to the conversations that you hear from the older men as far as that golden era is concerned we know that now it's not like back then we know now that it's a little bit harder mm-hmm. to have a successful crop that we know it's harder to be able to have that bounty to where you could take those pictures of your truck bed filled with corn that truck bed filled with all the melon or you know all the bushes of beans that we plant to be able to post those that it's harder for us to get there and then so therefore in turn like i feel like that our generation of farmers it's kind of different for us yeah because we don't have the we don't have the um i guess the luxuries of the water coming all the time and then now you know because we just come out came out of this huge drought then there's some stories that come from that and i think at least with this episode that's kind of really where i want it to cover but you know the Per the last episode too is that you and I didn't really get too personal personable as far as sharing you know like who do Carl and J-Man plant for where do Carl and J-Man plant and so Carl who do you plant for I plant for bashes where, where do you plant I plant for Safeway by bashes <laughs> <laughs> I I plant for my soul Okay. Yeah, I plan for my soul and I plan for... No surprises for, there? Yeah, no surprises there. <laughs> and I sometimes do plan for my guys as well, too. Okay. You know, I'll, I'll give him some... Our, our guess. My guess. <laughs> and I, I guess, you know, we're... Unless you're talking about my sisters, then... <laughs> I guess, you know, because I do plant. I do plant early corn. I do plant uh, beans, squash, watermelon, and then our big field is, is the corn. So I, we have three, four, four fields. Oh, wow. You know, not, you know, the three fields are not big, but, yeah. you know, they're... Tell, tell us where they are so I can uh, so you can go make a visit when the melon starts to ripen. <laughs> So you can come and help me or what? <laughs> <laughs> and most Hopi men, most Hot Vela men will plant at Hot's movie. 
and it's just right below the mesa and that's where we have some of our our fields there and and we plant uh you know just last just last week we were planting our beans and are planting our squash and just yesterday yesterday uh well actually yeah yesterday this past week we were planting our watermelon oh nice and so in hopes that that you know there's enough moisture in the ground to support the watermelon because yeah basically that's you know that's the one thing that's it's a delicate plant and you know the weather is weather permitting that because it was still cold you know past week so we couldn't really plant as much so now i guess Nowadays, you know, men are watching the weather rather than watching like the the actual date of when we're supposed to be doing. Ra- rather this. than watching Sports Center, or <laughs> that's true. And so, yeah, I mean, like you know, I take Gua out, and he loves to do. It. He, you know, he was born. He was born to do that. He was bred to do that, and mm-hmm. he still loves going to the field. But mm-hmm. man, he's getting slow. You know, he's getting slow. <laughs> What should only take, uh, you know, t- take him about two minutes to get from the car to the field. It takes him about <laughs> 10 minutes, you know, and you have to accommodate that. And you practically park in the field. And I practically park in the field. And it yeah. still takes him 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, like, those are the things that we kind of have to accommodate for. And that's what we do as Hopi men. Just so the listeners out there that might not be too familiar with this whole process, just to get and give them an idea, you said about four four big fields, not big fields, four, the three, four, three, three 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 fields, and then one big giant one, three, three or four garden boxes, just depending on <laughs> Carl's interpretation yeah. of of what a field is, but. How much time does that take to, take to to really, you know, put in all the effort? Because then, you know, like when when March comes around, right? And some yeah. people start earlier, but really, usually it's about March when men start to clean the fields yeah. and they start yeah. to clear all of the dried weeds that may have been left over from the previous summer to clear all of the dry stalks yeah. of the previous plants and try to, um, I guess, turn turn the field, basically, you know, kind of doing a little mixture on the topsoil. But, you know, that usually starts in March. Yeah. And then, as you mentioned, you know, some men coming into April, then they'll start doing early planting, which is usually tawakzi, which is the sweet corn. And then the beans, which is usually something that's planted early. And then you mentioned melon. Yeah. And then as we get into May, then I think that probably about mid-May, all the way up to mid-June is when the main crop is planted, which is usually the white corn, corn, white, blue, blue corn, red, red corn, yellow, goanina, yellow, and that, that that's usually planted during that time. And then it's like you battle different things, I guess, Yeah. Through, throughout the whole process. Because then when after you plant that early crop and then even, you know, the early part of your main crop that, you know, the I guess one of the biggest things that we fight is the spring winds. Yeah. Because they get really bad spring winds out here. Yeah, we do. And then, you know, that usually starts and it kind of it's sporadic between March, April and May. But then like when you're planting corn and the corn's barely sprouting, that that's kind of uh, just just like an infant baby. That's kind of a, a delicate, a delicate time. time. Yeah. And that depending on what the wind's like, that that wind could create wind burn or it could just completely shred 
the plants the, the up crops yep. if they're not properly protected and then so therefore you're out there trying to protect them by either putting the the hollowed out tin cans that we use nowadays <laughs> the big uh I, I i'm not too sure exact what the exact term for those are but the, but the big uh the big cans that or you're doing old school style you're propping up the the, uh, the wind breaks. The wind breaks. Yep. You know, the wind breaks with the flat stones or whatever it is that you have. And so therefore, then that takes time. And then in addition to that, that when the the corn is at that baby stage, it must be like sweet or something because that's when the rabbits really yeah. like to eat them. They, they really that's like when to the rabbits that. really like to eat them. And then when the bean plants start to kind of in that still infancy stage that they're also a favorite of of the rabbits and then that's when you as well ma'quanta your field you know you take uh, your piss on your plants (laughs) basically basically what ma'quanta is uh you take some dog poop put Mm -hmm. them in a a jar and put some water in there and spread them around the field you drink drink it it you uh And then you just kind of uh, like rabbit deterrent kind of. Yeah. So that's the thing that you do. And then one thing too, um, the hardest part about having bean field and having a bean field is the worms. Mm Mm-hmm. Worm hunting is the worst. You know, you you have some that are coming out really nice and then all of a sudden then, you know, the next day they're gone. Yeah. And then yeah. you dig into the hole where it's planted at and then you find out that there's worms in there. Yep. Then you're replanting that yep. same bean again, yep. hoping that it would catch up to where it is. By that time, you know, you you all of your worm hunting man i i remember when we, when i was younger mm-hmm. uh we, we used to go down every evening and hunt for worms yeah and i would get like a pickle jar you know a small then, pickle jar you, you'd have nowhere to fish <laughs> exactly <laughs> and so i would you, you know you would uh catch them in a jar and you would just leave them there for like birds or anything like that that would just want to have them mm-hmm yeah, inside of that jar, you know, it, it's it's something that you have to do as a Hopi man in order if, if you want to be a farmer. Mm-hmm. It, it's very very hard work. And then and then once once the for those that don't get eaten, once the corn starts to kind of grow some more, and then once the beans grow some more, and then usually that's kind of where you're in this phase to where you're just praying like hell because the rain does usually doesn't rain between like. May and June. Yeah. And then, you know, they're starting to get bigger. Yeah. So therefore they require more water. Yeah. And then therefore you're in your field, you're trying to kill everything in there that isn't part of your crop. Exactly. So that it doesn't extract the moisture away from your corn, from your beans, from your melon. And then, you know, that's in this part of summer where it's starting to get really hot. Yeah. And then things are starting to get dry. And I always like feel bad because then, you know, like, especially now, because then you think about things like global warming. And that's another thing too, that as far as the older guys talk about is that, you know, it never used to be as hot as it is now. Yeah. Is a common saying that you hear is that back in the golden era that it, it didn't get as hot as it does now. You but know, now it gets very hot. You know, uh, yeah, because back in when Gua's time, the hottest it would get would probably be around 80, high 80s. Now it's getting up 90s. to... It's, now it's getting up 90s, 100s mm-hmm. now. We're Low turning... Hundreds, yeah. yeah. And because when it gets to that point, when it gets to like June and then into July... I always used to hate to go to the fields like midday, yeah, like like, like yeah. noon, one o'clock, two o'clock, because then the corn leaves they'll kind of shrivel, shrivel itself up. Yeah. into itself because it's getting too much sun, 
and it's trying to prevent itself from getting more sun than yeah. it really needs. Getting and dehydrated then, so, from that. And then so you go in there and then your plants are just shriveled up and it looks ugly. Like you don't look like the way that it looks. And then that's where I think the stress starts because then it's funny because like like now, right? Like we're all pumped up. We're all yeah. excited yeah. because then you go outside. It's warm. It's really nice weather. You go to your pasa. You, you don't have to go very deep to find where the moisture and the ground is. And then so now like we're excited. We're happy to get this whole process started. And then I think just the whole general idea of being out there doing physical work, like it's an, it's like anything in life when you're doing something physical, when you go exercise, when you go running, that it really helps with the stress. Yeah. That whatever stress life is throwing at you, whether it's through your job, whether it's through your marriage, your kids are fucking up or whatever, just all the problems that we go through, you go to your field, that's your happy place. Yeah. Because then, you know, you're away from all the distractions, you're away from all the negativity and the fact that, you know, you're, you're doing something physical that it just takes all that thought away from you. And then you're there, you're singing, you're all happy. And then, you know, you get into this place to where you're really thinking about the culture, you're getting all these uh, epiphanies and then, you know, you're <laughs> figuring out the cure to AIDS and, you know, you're just in this real... Gotta write some of this down. <laughs> you know, you're thinking about time travel and yeah. it's like... 455 megawatts on <laughs> and you know you're you're in this place but then when you go through this process yeah and you get to that point in June where you know the plants are bigger you're not wor worried so much about the rabbits anymore you're not worried so much about the bugs anymore but it's that heat it's the heat and it's usually that gap Right before, hopefully, you get to the, the monsoon the, the monsoon season. season. To yep. the monsoon season. And then so, therefore, you know, you're praying like hell. You're going to all the summer dances that all the villages are having. You have your homa in your hand. And, you know, you're praying to the katinam, <laughs> trying to help the, the, the local villagers, you yeah. know, with their prayers, hoping that the dance is successful. And then usually... In, in, in fortunate summers that July is when the rain starts to come. Yeah. It's when the rain starts to fall. And, but now because we have modern technology, right? Usually like in that, that June, July time, I'll be on my phone. I'll be on my weather app. And like my <laughs> heart, my heart just sinks when I see two weeks worth of just straight sun and yeah. no clouds, <laughs> no projection of rain. And you're like, fuck, man. And then, you know, you start to think of plan B, you know, am I willing to go take a truck out there and water the plants? Like you're just trying to think of these different things. But when it actually does rain, then you're happy. And then you're like, oh, thank God. And then, you know, when you actually go out there to your field, then, you know, you kind of see what the rain does, that it brings everything back to life. It brings a it lot brings of life. It brings all the leaves back to full, back to its full blossom and then things are a lot better and then in an ideal summer then when you start to get into august that's when all the silk starts to come out from the corn when the corn's about to start to form and then as you go into september then the ears start to form mm -hmm. and then they start to do that but then then you know you're back in defense mode because then as the corn comes out that's food and that's it that's a target for other Animals, animals yeah. that want to eat it, and then so therefore you're checking the ears for bugs, because then when the worms or those caterpillars get in there, yeah, that they could really like tear Mess it up. up. Yeah, they, they could really tear it up, and then of course everybody's favorite field critter, the the crow, the fucking crow. <laughs> 
the Baltimore Ravens. God damn those. <laughs> and you know, you and I have had these conversations like constant talking yeah. about crows and talking about strategies, ways to get to prevent them from eating your corn. <laughs> and you know, because then, like I, I think about that, and it really it it, it kind of frustrates me because you know my dad shares with me all these stories. It's like they didn't really used to bother our field back then. Yeah, you know, they, it wasn't a big problem. Like they eat some, but they leave you know a lot of it for you to be able to have. But now it's like if you're not there every day. They'll eat everything that you have. Yeah, they they will wipe you out. They they will they will wipe you out, and then so you know all of these different strategies I've heard. You know the the most common one I think is that you know people get old CDs or old DVDs and they string them up because then the idea is that the reflection is it's supposed kind of, to scare yeah, them away. Yeah, it looks scary. And, and yeah, either that or it makes it look like somebody's. In the, in the field, field yeah. When, when those are up, or of course, scarecrows, scarecrows are a, a common thing. And then you know, when you set your scarecrow up, and then you go into the field and you see the crows perched on the scarecrow, <laughs> it's kind of one of the most insulting there, things. I don't know if that I, you can see. I think I told this story before. Remember my dog? Yeah, <laughs> your dog. <laughs> you dropped your dog off at the field, and he was supposed to guard the. He was supposed to guard corn, but you know, next day we found him. He was eating with the crows. <laughs> <laughs> like god damn it this guy that's not having a party with them <laughs> yeah Bob he said yeah hey, he's gonna bring some drinks over later <laughs> you wanna join in <laughs> and you know I it, it's it's funny because then like I, I feel like that if there's any possible way to keep them away I feel like everybody's tried it because yeah. you've mentioned that you know some people will take a broken down car yeah. and they'll drag it to the field yeah. and they'll leave it there Hoping that they think that oh somebody's, somebody's there, there in the yep. field, then as days go on, then you move it into different places of the field, and then I've also heard that you know you take one of the old boom boxes, the battery operated yeah. ones, and yeah. then you just let it play as loud. loud as you can, yeah. So it sounds like somebody's there, or even my some of the things that I've tried, I've I've bought in the the fake owls because they're supposed to yeah, be afraid supposed of owls be, yep. because that's their their predator and then so you hang up that fake owl in the field in various spots and then you move it every few days just to make it seem like that it's an actual owl <laughs> I've, I've bought in the little paper sandwich bags you know yeah. the, the paper sacks yeah. that you would get like a sack lunch in back yeah, in yeah, the day yeah, school yeah. days I've taken that and physically hung it over the corn itself uh, scare tape is another strategy. Yep, scare I've tape tried. is another one. Water bottles, cutting the tops off of the water bottles and then sticking those directly on the coin. We tried that too, yeah. And then, you know, they, they everything that you try, even the crow cannons, even the crow cannons. Crow cannons, yeah, they they play war with that as well. Too. You know, crows are reenacting civil war with that thing. <laughs> you go down there, you go down. has those old timey black cats on. <laughs> it's like, the blue coats are coming in. Grab the corn. Fire. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we tried everything. I, I don't know if there is an actual solution to it. I think it's just, you just have to be down there every day. Every, I think that's the solution. It's just every day you have to do that. Outside of that, I've only heard of one other solution that people claim is surefire. Yeah. And that's to actually kill a few of them. Yeah. 
and then string them up. We've done that too. Really? Yeah. And that it, didn't it, work. It works. It works for a bit. Yeah. But then they figure out that, okay, yeah, that's just yeah. our dead friend. I, I'm comfortable eating I'm comforted. Yeah. Now. He's like, Bill, you should have been here. <laughs> <laughs> They're all saying, this is for Bill. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it's, and I, I guess, you know, like, like it, it's what makes it hard, yeah. I, I guess, for the fact that, like, for somebody like me, like, I, I work full time. Yeah. And so I can't afford to be at the field all day, every day. And so, you know, you try to go as often as you can. I've learned that it, the early mornings are, are kind of, like, crucial because usually that's when they'll hit it as they like to have breakfast early in the mornings or yeah. even in the evenings is also another crucial time that they'll be there doing their thing. And, and so, you know, that's, that's kind of like this, this big thing that I guess we all talk about to each other about as far as Hopi farmers Mm -hmm. and trying to battle, battle the crows. And, you know, I, 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 I have a strategy that I think works somewhat. Yeah. (laughs) Like it'll get me something like it'll prevent them from eating everything, but then it won't prevent them completely from eating it. It, you know, with all of these different tactics to try to eradicate the crow, I mean, like even even with our our knowledge that yeah, crows are you know the smartest animals out there. You know, they they basically just have this brain that it's if there's food there, they're gonna get at it no matter how hard it is to get at it. You know, if you put like a if if you lock that up, they're gonna they're gonna develop like fingers and then try to you know lock pick the locks. They're, they're that's how smart they are. And I don't I don't know if there's a permanent solution to the crows. I don't know if there's any any type of like magic bean that you could plant that you know these crows would be scared of. My my brother in law, we have this uh, big dream that you know one day we're gonna. Uh we're gonna fit drones, yeah, with like uh, some sort of weaponry, <laughs> and then we're gonna have these drones in the field, and then you know when the crows come, then there's gonna be this big <laughs> old aerial battle. Aerial battle <laughs> that the crows will probably win eventually. Pro- but- <laughs> It'll be like the that ending uh, ending scene from. Um- uh, Lord of the Rings, remember the Nazgul's and the eagles? <laughs> yeah. The crows would be like the eagles grabbing the Nazgul's. <laughs> uh, but you know what else? I've heard that works pretty well too, but I imagine it takes a lot of time to set it up. But then if you run fishing line, yeah, like back and forth yeah. to cover because then it prevents them from, from, uh, Landing, I guess. Yeah, I was Perching. reading. I was reading Perching. about the the Bahana style of yeah. preventing crows for their crops. Yeah. is pesticides. <laughs> 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 so yeah, if you guys know of a pesticide, we can just you know lay down on our field. Yeah, that that'd be great too. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess continuing on with 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 the conversation, and you know, I guess explaining that that long process because then you know once you get past the crows, yeah. And then, you know, fortunately, then you're able to harvest and then you're able to have something. And I think that's when everybody's the happiest because then all the stress is gone because yeah. then, you know, a lot of us were familiar with that feeling of trying to drive to your field like during those August, September, October months and just your heart's pounding because you don't know what awaits for you when you get that get to your field. And it's always disheartening when you just see this movement of black 
and you see your plant shaking mm-hmm. and then you get so far and then boom 15 to 30 of them fly up yep and yep. then you you're cussing and you're you're cussing at them you yeah. motherfuckers and then you're parked there and it's like I don't even want to go look and I I don't want to see and what what damage just, they did you just sit there and because you can't do anything yeah you, you you know your crop is already some of it's already gone yep and you go look at it and you don't want to look at it you don't, you don't want to go. Because the remember <laughs> the last time you remember seeing it's like oh it's doing yeah. pretty good there's bitcoin here there's bitcoin there that's what I hate telling Qua to because you know sometimes we'll do that and I'll I'll look at a corn and just a cob is sticking out from the the plant yeah and I won't tell him I'll pick it off and I'll just throw it <laughs> and I'll just I just won't I just won't tell him that you know the field is like that because it, it is a disappointment it is a dis- disappointment to see and it's. Disheartening to like, man. I and you see the just the cobs, yeah, scattered and, all and over you just, on the you floor. You can't do anything about it because you, you can't. I mean, like you, you probably can sleep there, but you know, I'm not gonna. <laughs> I'm not gonna, not gonna sleep, sleep there. there. <laughs> I love this whole life, but not that much. <laughs> not that much. Like my PS4, better. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and you see that, and when you when you think of, then you're thinking about like different ways. Okay, now I should do this. You yeah, know? yeah, maybe yeah. I should do that. Yeah. And when you get to that point of like no return, basically, yeah. it just and then and then you start to get kind of like a like a itchy trigger finger because then, yeah, then you know because in your head you're trying to time it because we in in one of the most recent episodes we talked about how for that main crop that you intend to use for years and beyond yeah that you have to let it sit on the stock for a period of time long after it's right basically you're trying to get it to dry on the stock yeah. And then so because you have to leave your corn in the field a lot longer than than the regular bahanas yeah. would, I guess. Then, you know, it, it's it's you're exposing it to them for a prolong a, a longer period of time, which increases the likelihood that they're gonna eat more. And I remember because I had this because at least as far as my farming situation is that you know i used to help my dad a lot out with his field out at munkapi and of course you know we're irrigators there so that the whole process is a little bit different but with his field i did develop this strategy of scare tape and the paper sacks Uh and then the owl and that seemed to repel them for the most part and then so when it came to coming out here and being a, a quote unquote dry farmer. Yeah. And then, you know, do it the way that's done out here with my my with the res famous wise field that I brought that same strategy thinking that, you know, it worked out there. It should work out, work here. out here. Yeah. And then so I did it. I did the paper sacks. I did the scare tape. I did the, the owl. And at first it seemed to work. Mm-hmm. They left it alone and like, OK, cool. It's worked out there. It's going to work out here. And then after a while. They figured out that they could tear through the paper sacks. <laughs> yep. They figured that they could eat around the tape, yep. the scare tape. And so that's what they were doing. They're tearing through the paper, tearing, uh, eating around the scare tape. And then I got this idea of the bottle water. The, yeah. The, 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 bot- the bottle water bottles. Yeah. The bottle water bottles. The yeah. bottle water bottles. And then for the way that I do it is that I, I cut off both sides and then stick it on. And then so then when I started doing that, then that seemed to work. Okay, I, I found the perfect balance. Hell yeah. And then they figured out how to take it off the corn. Yeah. <laughs> and then I got to a point to where it's like, I don't know what else I could do. Yeah. I don't know what else I could do outside of 
being there all the time but then the challenge just because we live in Tuba yeah her fields in Kikot's movie and then so it's, it's a 60 mile it's trip it's a 60 yeah. mile drive and then so you know I started to leave for work at 5 in the morning yeah so I could get there and be there before I had to come to work and it got to a point and I, I think that you know at least as it relates to this whole drought that we had been talking about because that this drought prevented a lot of people from farming. Yeah. And so in the area that her field is, that last summer, there was only like maybe three other neighboring fields. And then I think that those fields got torn up too. Mm-hmm. And then it got to a point where we were the only restaurant left open in town. Yeah. And then so all the concentration came to their field. And so every single day there was crows in the field. And I knew that the longer I waited to harvest, the more and more would get eaten. But then because of the effects of the drought, that during this time last year, yeah, it was nowhere near as moist as it is now. Mm-hmm. It was still dry. But yet we still dropped our seeds in the dry ground. And then that sum- that rain came in June. And then it wasn't until July that the plants actually started coming up. So talking about being two months behind, two months behind in the, the, the growing process. And then so therefore come September, October, the plants were still green. Yep. And they weren't even anywhere near, near completion. completion. Yeah. And then so, you know, that was kind of what we were dealing with, I guess. Same thing with our beans. Yep. to last year. Same thing with our beans that happened. The same thing like that is that we planted beans. They all came out nice. And then the drought happened and we couldn't, there was nothing that we could do. I mean, like I would go and maybe sprinkle some water every now and then, but then that wouldn't be enough. You know, that wouldn't be enough. And then when that rain happened, then they all started coming out big blooms, but they had nothing. They, there were no beans on them. <laughs> And then we waited and we waited for about weeks. And then finally they started to come on there. But by then it was almost getting, it's going to start to get cold. Yeah. And then there was nothing that else we could do. And then when the cold hit. Just watch them freeze. Yeah. And then that's all we did. We just had to watch them freeze. There was nothing that we could have done. You know, it's, it was, it was something that, that we just couldn't prevent from doing. And I I guess, you know, that's kind of where I wanted to take it because then, you know, we've, we've mentioned this drought multiple times. And so, I guess just to explain to those that don't know what we're talking about, when did this drought start, would you say? I, probably around four years ago. Probably around four years ago. I, I want to say that the drought probably started in 2018. Okay, so five and, years and ago. And how I measure that is because I moved home to the reservation in 2017. Yeah. And I remember that during that summer in 2017, that when I would make that drive from Winkapi all the way out here to K-Town yeah. to be able to go to work. Then I remember seeing the fields alongside the highway. I remember seeing all of the fields having corn in it. I remember that, you know, it was still a decent summer. Yeah. For farming yeah. because then you had all the fields were still all over. And that's always one of the like positive things about this drive. If you're driving through the reservation in Hopi is that you can't go more than five miles without seeing a field mm-hmm. somewhere. Mm-hmm. And then that during summertime in the ideal conditions, 
then then you'll see these corn plants all over the place. Mm-hmm. You'll see these bean plants all over the place. You'll see these watermelon plants all over the place. And so that was always the nice thing about that I appreciated about that drive. Yeah. Driving from Winkapi all the way out here, and then seeing all the different plants. And then I think that it was really in 2018 was when the drought really started. And then I think that it really got to its peak around 2020. Because then I think by 2019, people just didn't try. Because then by that time, the ground was just dry. So dry, yeah. And I remember hearing stories of people going to their field and sharing that they had to dig like something like eight feet. Yeah. Just to get to um, any the moisture, moisture yeah. area in the ground. But then, you know, you can't plant that deep <laughs> yeah. because it just won't work. And then I think that I also remember you telling me that you guys broke your planter. Yeah. Because then you're trying to see if you could get it to work it, in the dry ground. It, you know, that dry ground prevents you from planting because we do plant with the tractor as well, too. Planting by hand on a big field, I, I counted. It, it takes, for one row, it takes us about 30 minutes. And we plant 117 rows. Oh, wow. And each row contains at least 100 to 200 pods. Really? Yeah. Really? That's how big our field is. Wow. And I so, guess... So bigger than a garden box. Then. So bigger than a garden box. <laughs> and I guess that would be true, too, because back in 2014, we had one of the biggest harvests around we got we got close to five truckloads of uh corn 2017 27 no 2014 2014 2015 yeah yeah and yeah we got a lot and we we quite planted dawea too oh really so he got two truckloads of just really really yeah and with watermelon he planted watermelon back in 2008 something like that yeah two truckloads of just nothing but watermelon it was, you know, it was a great bountiful harvest. I mean, we, it, it you know, it was, the weather was great. The was soil was, it, was, it was all good. Then that happened. And we, that's all we can do is just remember it. Mm-hmm. Because then I, I guess, you know, speaking on it from experience, what were some of the signs that you saw that kind of made you think that a drought's coming? That. One year back in 20 because there's ways to measure these things. So back in 2019, we got we planted the same way that we did at our big field in in a normal in a normal year. normal fruitful year. We planted the same way, and when it all came out, we only got half a truckload. Every compared to the compared five to trucks. the five trucks that we got, and that's when we realized that planting that whole entire field was not going to be uh, beneficial. beneficial to us because that's what we did. We we would plant that entire field. You know, we would have two, we would have three of the uh, 25 pound flower sacks full of corn and we plant that all. Wow. And we ended up planting half of that, of, of just one that following year, 2020, because we knew that it's, it it's going to be as yeah, good. It's not going to be as good. And sure enough, nothing came out. And I think that, that that's how I was able to measure it too, because with my dad's field, like you plant the whole thing. Yeah. And then, but it started to get to a point where there were patches of the ground where it would just dry up mm-hmm. and then the corn would just wilt. And then, you know, no matter 
no matter the circumstance, I guess, you know, it would just wilt and then it would just die. And then that's kind of when I realized, I think the ground's like really dry. Drying, underneath. yeah. Even with irrigation, like I think the ground is just really dry underneath. And then the rain just got few and far in between. And I think that one of the worst things that I saw... Like it kind of made it seem like an apoc- a scene from like an apocalyptic movie mm. is because I make this drive uh, pretty much Monday through Friday. Yeah. From Munkapi to here. And then on the drive in, especially during the summertime, usually it's pretty nice because then, you know, there's just this carpet of green. Yeah. You got these flowers in different places. But in the middle of the summertime, the land just turned brown. Mm-hmm. Like it was brown. There was no green. It was just dry. It's, and you like, it just, it was just an ugly thing. To it look was, at. it's like this yellow scene. It's like this yellow, yellowish brown color that mm-hmm. it just looked ugly. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's the thing. It's just like, uh, I just hate looking out towards that way because yeah, because we live right at the Mesa edge part or kind of close to it. And I could see the green everywhere, you know, down, uh, down on, down inside of the, the valley area. And, you know, when past years, the past two years, nothing, it would just like dead, it just dust bowl everywhere. And because then, you know, I, I was thinking about like, you know, what were the effects and it just so happened that this drought or at least a part of it coincided with COVID. Yeah. And then, so, you know, it's like hopis, right? Like we're going to lean on our spirituality. Yeah. We're going to lean on our ceremonies. We're going to lean on, you know, the dances that we do to make the rain come. But then during COVID, a lot of that stopped. Mm-hmm. And then there was only a very small pocket of places that it were, that was continuing. And then, so therefore, at least as a farmer, as, at least as a Hopi farmer in the way that I've learned of how our farming intertwines with our spirituality, how it intertwines with ceremony, I almost felt like we kind of were planting with one hand tied behind our back because we didn't have that component of of uh, the dances anymore. At yeah. least I guess, you know, the prayer and how we get it out yeah. through that. Exactly. I mean, like that's, that's the thing that we as Hopi people like to do. I mean, like we have this connection with our spirituality. We have this connection to the rain gods. We have this connection to like everything that we can't see. And when COVID did hit, then it just made it so where we're like, I don't want to do anything. I shouldn't be doing anything. And even to this day, there are some men that still kind of are kind of iffy around about like planting because they're they're thinking that, oh, the drought is still here. You know, the drought, even though it had this massive uh, rainstorm and the the snowstorm that is here, you know, even though it's still moist, there's still that possibility, that that doubt in our minds that's saying, oh man, nothing's going to come up. But in reality, you know, Kwa, would you, you tell us is like, you know, don't have that that mindset. Make sure that you have that that mindset to go forward because something will come out. And if you don't do that, you know, nothing will come out if you have that negativity in mm-hmm. your mind. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I, I think that last summer, and I think it really started in June and July and August, we got a lot of rain. Yeah. 
we got a lot of rain and it really changed things because then, you know, that whole landscape of just brown, it turned into a lot of green. Yeah. And that did. was the thing that I remembered was that on these drives that I made, like it made it made the land look like there was a real thick carpet of just green. Yeah. Like all over the land. And it made me happy. Yeah. Because then, you know, it wasn't like this prior. And then as the rain continued to go all the way into September, I was really like optimistic for this coming for for the next planting season. Yeah. Just knowing that, you know, it's gonna get cold pretty soon. The ground's pretty moist, that this moisture's gonna be able to still be here because it's going to get cold and then whatever snow comes then that's going to add to the moisture and then when the winter hit we got decent amount of snow mm -hmm. and you know i remember for the first time ever seeing this that in my drive that there was snow covering the land all the way from Wincope all the way to here and then that was another beautiful thing to see i never seen that to before. see to yeah. see that <laughs> snow because then usually it doesn't snow it Snows in one place doesn't snow in one place. Yeah. But it was like one of the first times to see that the snow was everywhere. And then so now that we're here and then that we've talked about this, that we've talked about how happy are happy we are that it has our our luck has changed. It's kind of like, okay then Carl, what what is your optimism for this summer? I'm hoping that we get a good crop this summer. As far as that we plant, we're going to plant the way that we've been planting in time and memorial. So you're going to do the 177 rows? Yeah, we're going to be doing that. We're Hopefully we're going to be doing, uh, and we're hoping that this moisture would carry us on till the till the monsoon season comes yeah, and yeah. hopefully i mean because we haven't we we don't we don't measure the ground i mean we're not we're not scientists where we go out with our like our soil measurement and um, with all your tools <laughs> with our old tools and you know we just measure how if if we can reach into the ground that it's still moist that it's past our hand you know the past the hand and it's still moist and it's still good and like a cool kind of feeling, then we know that it's going to at least take us till um, the monsoon season. But if you dig down and your hand is already, uh, you need to dig down a little bit deeper and then we'll figure out that, oh man, it's not going to, mm -hmm. it's not going to happen. Mm -hmm. We have to plant a little bit deeper. Yeah. So um, that's what I'm hoping for. My optimism is, is at a, if I were to put it on a scale from one to 10, 10 being the highest, yeah. I would put it at a solid seven. Really? The optimism. Really? Yeah. Thinking that, yes, it, we might get something. Yeah. You know, that optimism is there. My, my optimism might be a little bit higher. It might be like an eight. An eight. And I, I think it just has to go with like, because we tried to plant the last two summers out yeah. here and it came up, but it didn't get to where we wanted it to get to. So I'm thinking that now with a better start, then, you know, it'll be a better outcome. Yeah. And so that, that that's my hope. I'm really hopeful that it's going to be like, like you're saying, just a, a harvest. Yeah. I, I'm hopeful for a good harvest. Hopefully. Good, good harvest. And that's all you can do is just pray. That's mm -hmm. all you can do is is hope for the best and pray every single day that you can feed your family, feed your uh, your your guests, you know, feed feed everybody that you want to be, who, who you think should be fed. Mm -hmm. And so that's, that's the thing about Hopi life is that that's what comes with the the problems and comes with the joyous is that when you pray so hard and when you have that what, what is it the suffering with mm -hmm. it 
mm-hmm. and you get something in return, that's the feeling of Hopi is that you work so hard for it and you've suffered so hard for it. The reward is is great. The reward is 10 times more the precious that it is. And that's the reason why corn is more precious than money itself. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I kind of like money too. <laughs> Me too. I'm just reading from a book right now. So. <laughs> <laughs> but if you have gone this far. Carl into, congratulates you. I congratulate you because yes, it is a very, very long episode. And if you guys want to hear more of our uh, special content, our bonus content, only for this paid sponsors, uh, go to anchor.fm slash CJ podcast 85. And you can subscribe there and become a, 30 pack sponsor quickly before we go carl how, how would you sum up that this season went i season thought it, 10. i thought it went pretty well actually you know what? i think it went pretty well too i think that we kind of talked a little bit more outside of uh what we normally talk about and even some of the listeners may have not liked that because i think uh, our more popular episodes are about the culture and so you yeah. know I, we didn't we didn't sell out the culture so much this season but you know i think that we'll probably bring some of that back for for the next season but we'd like to thank everybody out there. If you're not following us on our social media accounts, you can find us at Carl and J-Man all across the boards on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If you are listening to this on Apple Podcasts, don't forget to give us a five-star review. It really helps us to move up in the mentions for people that are looking for podcasts. In addition to that, your podcast isn't five stars unless Apple Podcasts says your podcast is five stars. If you're listening to this on anything other than Spotify, Spotify, give it a second listen again on Spotify because Spotify is a sponsor. Is the only sponsor of now. the podcast. And you know, I was listening to one of our episodes on Spotify recently, yeah. and it cracks me up because then it's like these real big name brands. Yeah. Like, so Home Depot is a sponsor <laughs> of this podcast. Like, holy shit, I didn't know that. Carl Fucker didn't tell me that. <laughs> And we do get money. Actually, what they're doing now is on Spotify is that they're doing these, what is called automated ads. And you can opt in and out in that or opt out from that as well, too. And so we are opted in to have these automated ads in there. But we have to get at least um, 100 or 700 listeners or 500 listeners or more than we get a little bit more money from Spotify. So awesome. awesome. So go everybody. Tell your friends. Tell your friends. So they're not listening, listening to us. us. On Spotify. Yep, exactly. And we can make great content for you. All right. Well, thank you for listening to Carl and J-Man Save the World podcast. I know this is going to be our last episode for this season, and we're, we're excited for the next season to come, but we will still be making, hopefully we'll still be making special bonus content for along the, the special way. Paid or just listeners. for the special paid listeners. So we may not be going anywhere. Yeah. Carl's got me uh, chained to the podcast desk. Yeah, exactly. So for only the, for the paid sponsors, we'll probably be making more content for you guys since you guys are paying for us. So, all right. Well, thank you for listening to Carl and J-Man Save the World podcast. My name is Carl and this is my best friend, J-Man. So long. Quick plus.